0: would well, isn't it a great day to be in the house of God? Amen. I'm so excited to be here. and I'm so excited to get the opportunity to share the word with you this morning. And uh, I want to first, before I begin, I want to thank Pastor, Pastor Darren, uh, so much for allowing me to fill the pulpit today. And I know that Pastors Neil and Kyle said this when they preached, and, and you need to know that it's not just something that we say out of obligation. It really is an honor and a blessing to be able to share the word in this pulpit with our congregation. And so, Pastor Darren, thank you so much. And Pastor already mentioned uh, the Oaks being back, but I do want to say thank you to them. They actually flew all the way in from Greece just to hear me preach. Uh, so that's exciting. Um, the furthest anyone has ever come before is Lowell. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. As most of you know, Pastor said, we're in the middle of a, a series on the five E's. And these are the five phrases or statements that we have chosen as a church to express and communicate our purpose. And in case you don't remember those, I'm going to read them for you. Our purpose is to encourage godly relationships through our daily lives, equip believers to discover and use their God-given gifts, educate believers to follow Christ, evangelize the lost with the message of Christ, and to exalt Christ in everything that we do. Those pastors said, uh, Pastor Neil a couple of weeks ago shared with us on exalting Christ in everything that we do. And, and he really challenged us to view worship differently than many of us ever have before. And that was such a great sermon, and, and, I, and I loved hearing that, and I was like, man, please don't let me go after Neil. And then last week, Pastor Kyle really challenged us, and, and, and for those of you who don't know Pastor Kyle very well, he is an evangelist at heart. Uh, I mean, he lives and breathes. He spends 90% of his time in coffee houses, walking up and talking to strangers about Jesus. Uh, So it was so awesome to hear him share with us how to evangelize the lost with the message of Christ. And then tonight I get the, or today, this is not nighttime yet, but it's dark out there. So today I get the opportunity to share with you on equipping believers to discover and use their God-given gifts. And that is at Trinity Fellowship, our ministry focus. It's, it's where we talk about ministry. And, and I remember a few weeks ago when, as Pastor said, we went to competition, Fine Arts competition, with this human video. And the night that the students performed that, they were so excited. They did such a great job, and it was such a powerful video, that, that they asked me as we were leaving, can we perform that for our congregation? And I said, well, you know, I'll have to think about it. Let me, let me, let me think about that. And almost immediately I realized, you know what, in a few weeks, I'm going to be preaching on ministry. And what better way to show ministry than to have them up here using their gifts for the Lord. Because when we talk about ministry, we're not talking about a preacher standing up here and preaching a sermon and then calling everybody forward and praying for you. Yes, that is an aspect of ministry. But when we talk about ministry, what we're actually saying is we want our body of believers to discover and use the gifts that God gave them. Amen? And I'm so thankful for our students for doing that. This morning, what I want to do is I want to debunk three ministry myths. There are three things that that we hear people say all the time about ministry, and there's a lot more than three, but I didn't want to keep you here all day. But these three myths about ministry, and and I want to look at those, and I want us to to discredit or debunk those if we can. And the first one is this. That's the pastor's job. How many times have you ever heard somebody say that? Oh, that's the pastor's job. That's why we pay the pastor. You know, I found something funny. I came across it on Facebook a few weeks ago and I reposted it. It was called The Perfect Pastor. And for those of you who, for whatever reason, maybe you're snobby or whatever, you haven't added me as a Facebook friend, you haven't had the opportunity to see that, so I'm gonna go ahead and read that to you. The Perfect Pastor preaches exactly 10 minutes. He condemns sin roundly, but never hurts anyone's feelings. He works from 8 a.m. till midnight, And is also the church janitor. The perfect pastor earns $40 a week, wears nice clothes, drives a nice car, and donates $30 a week to the church. He is 29 years old and has 40 years experience. Above all, he is handsome. So I have one, right, so far? That wasn't a joke. Shouldn't have been that funny. The perfect pastor has a burning desire to work with teenagers and spends most of his time with the senior citizens. He makes 15 home visits a day and is always in the office when needed. The perfect pastor always has time for church leadership and all of its committees. He never misses a meeting of any church organization and is always busy evangelizing the unreached. Now, obviously that is satire. It was written satirically, but the, the sad truth is that a lot of people still don 't know or understand what a pastor 's true job is, but Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter four now now we 're going to look at chapters or, or at several passages of scripture, Ephesians four and then Romans twelve and first Corinthians twelve, if you want to write those down, but in Ephesians chapter four verses eleven and twelve Paul says this: so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Did you catch that? Paul tells us right there what the job of the prophets and the apostles and the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers or the church offices is. He tells us what that job is, and that is to equip believers. But see, Paul doesn't stop there. He he actually goes one further. He tells us what the job of the believers is. And their job is to build up the body of Christ. The job of the pastor isn't to mow the lawn or change light bulbs or fix toilets or even to come to your house and evangelize your neighbor. That's your job. The job of the pastor is to equip You to build the body. See, but the problem that exists in a lot of churches today, and gladly not ours, but the problem that exists in a lot of churches is that the pastor is so busy doing the work of ministry that they don't have time to pray and to study and to prepare messages to equip the believers. And it's a a chain reaction that flows from there because when the pastors don't have time to properly equip the saints... Then the saints don't get equipped, and then the work of God doesn't get done. This is not a new problem. Now, obviously, our churches today are not anything like the New Testament churches that we read about in Acts. We've, we've come a long way, baby, as they say. But if you look in Acts chapter 6, verses 2 through 4, you see that they even had this problem back then. It says, so the 12, or the apostles... So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and of wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. You see, the apostles got it. It's not the pastor's job to, as they're talking about there, wait on tables, they're talking about serving food to the Christians. It's the pastor's job to devote themselves to the ministry of the word and to equipping of the saints. Amen. And, and even though this isn't a new problem, it is a problem that I feel like has transformed um, or emerged or, or gotten worse, if you will, over the past decade or so. You see, what we've seen is that the Christian culture, especially in America, has become one of consumerism. You know, people, people come and, and they use the word, we're shopping for a church. We're shopping for churches right now. If you move to an area, have you, have you found a new church? Well, we're still shopping around. And what we do is we, we go to these churches and we look and see what programs they offer that appeal to us. And we say, ooh, I really like that one, and, and I like this, this one has this. And, and then we go somewhere and decide to, to come and expect to be served. It's a consumer mentality, but God never intended that. God didn't intend for us to come and to sit and say, what is the least amount that I can give to give the mo- get the most in return? No, his goal was for us to come and say, what is the most that I can do to build the kingdom of God? Where can I give my talents? Where can I give my time? Where can I give my treasures to build the body of Christ? We're not supposed to be consumers. The second ministry myth that I want to debunk today is I have nothing to offer. And, you know, we hear all different versions of this statement. We hear people say, I have nothing to offer. Or, well, you know, I'm not really that talented. Or, well, you know, there's not a lot that I'm able to do. Well, that's not true. You know what if you don't hear anything else that I say if if your neighbors asleep wake them up right now because if you don't hear anything else that I say for the rest of the day I want you to hear this. You are gifted. Amen. You know I I think about when Courtney was a little girl. Courtney's always been very smart and uh, you know she takes all of those advanced classes in school. She clearly takes after her mother. Um, But she's a, she's a very smart girl. And in elementary school, they separated her from the other students and they put her in this program called the gifted and talented program or the GT program. And I thought about that this week and I realized I really, really dislike that name, the gifted and talented program. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not that guy that thinks that everybody's the same. You know, everybody should win. You play a game, everybody wins. I've seen those baseball leagues where every kid gets to hit until they hit the ball. And then every kid gets a home run and they don't keep score. And it's kind of ridiculous, honestly. But I'm not the guy. And and I understand that they need a way to take the, the academically inclined students and separate them and challenge them more and give them more difficult work. But calling that program the gifted and talented program, automatically suggest that everybody else is not gifted and talented. And guys, that's not the way that God works. If you look in Romans 12 and and in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul lists there several gifts and talks about how we are each gifted. And never does he suggest that only some of us are gifted. In fact, he uses phrases such as, Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. And then he says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Guys, I'm not real smart, but I know what each means. If I tell you that next Sunday, I'm going to come in and I'm going to give each person that's here $500. What that means is I'm not going to be here next Sunday because each means every single one. Paul goes on to say, one is given this gift, and another is given this one, and another is given this one. And never does he say, and then there are those who just aren't gifted. You see, every one of you is in God's gifted and talented program. Amen? Every one of you has been gifted. You just need to ice your gift that sounds really weird. What does that mean? Ice your gift. Well, I'm a nerd. I know I am, but I love acronyms. So I've got an acronym to help you. If you feel like you have nothing to offer. Number one, you need to identify your gifts. You need to identify them. And, and really, that's not that difficult. It's sort of a, a process of elimination or trial and error, if you will. See, so what you do is you find something that you enjoy doing. Because believe it or not, God usually gives you a desire to do the things he's gifted you to do. Amen? God has called me to work with teenagers, and he's given me a desire to hang out with teenagers. I don't know why, because they're the most annoying creatures on the planet, <laughs> other than children. But he's given me a desire to do that. So you, you find something that you like doing, and then you just give it a try. And and I want to stop right here, and and I don't think he's in the room, but I want to say thank you to Pastor Neal. Our worship pastor is among the best in the nation. And I have met worship pastors before who, if you weren't wearing skinny jeans and Converse, you weren't going to hold an instrument, and you weren't going to sing on the worship team. But Pastor Neal's not like that. If you tell him that you want to be involved in the music ministry, he's going to find a place to use you. Now, he may not give you a microphone, Nolan, he may not give us a solo, but if you tell Neil you want to be used, he's going to use you. And I want to say thank you to him for that. And please, please, when you get the opportunity, thank him for that. He allows people to discover their gifts. So you find something you like doing, maybe for you that's singing, and then you try it out and you see how it goes. And maybe it doesn't go so well, or maybe you don't enjoy it as much as you thought you would, or maybe somebody says, please stop. Stop. Then you know what that's probably not your gift. And you move on. But eventually you find something that you enjoy doing that you're good at and that builds up the body. Amen. First thing you do is you identify your gifts. And I'll tell you if if you come to Trinity fellowship and something annoys you, like not me but something. Then the chances are you may have just found your gift not being annoyed, but fixing whatever that is that annoys you. If you come to Trinity Fellowship and, and every time you come, you tell your wife or your husband or your, your girlfriend or your friend or whatever, I don't understand why they don't dot, dot, dot. The chances are the reason that bothers you, unless you're just really aggravating person, is because nobody with your same giftedness has fixed the problem that annoys you. You may have just found your gift. Number one, you identify your gift. And number two, you cultivate it. You try to get better. If you have the gift of teaching, are you just going to walk into a Sunday school class and and just start teaching? You're not going to study. You're not going to learn anything. You're just going to walk in and teach. No, I've seen that before. If you do that, I can tell you, you don't have the gift of discernment. No, you're going to study. You're going to learn. You're going to try to make yourself better. If you're a musician, you're going to practice. You're going to try to make yourself better. The whole reason that we go to Fine Arts Festival, and and Pastor put put it into words earlier, but the reason we go down there is so that students like Jameson can get up and preach a sermon in front of preachers and get critiqued on that and learn how to do better. Learn how to build their gift. How to cultivate their gift. Number one, you identify. Number two, you cultivate. And finally, just engage. Engage your gift. Go to work building up the body of Christ because that's your job. Please don't ever believe the lie that you have nothing to offer. And I want to be clear that that I'm not only talking about spiritual gifts here, okay? There are two main types of gifts, and they both come from the Lord. The, the first is, is the spiritual gifts, like the ones that Paul lists in these passages we're talking about, okay? So there's the gift of administration, the gift of mercy, the gift of faith, the gift of giving, amen? Giving. Just let that, let that settle. But there are also natural gifts. A lot of people just call those talents. See, natural gifts are, are things that you just do naturally well. And those are a gift from God. If you don't believe me, sit down with with the Combs boys. And I don't know if they're here. One of them was on the drums this morning. The other one was playing the the bass or guitar. I don't know what he was playing. Give them an instrument and sit with them for 15 minutes and tell me that their musical ability is not a gift from God. Amen? Or walk back into our nurseries and our children's area and look at the murals on the walls up there. And you tell me that Kayla Rhodes' gift for art is not a gift from God. If you'd like, I can paint you a picture. And that will prove my point. And you know what? If you've got natural gifts, those were given to you from God. And they were given to you for the same reason that the spiritual gifts are given to the church. They were given to you to build up the body. And I want to say right here, if you've got a, a natural gift or a talent, that you're using in the marketplace to make money, but you're not using it in God's house, shame on you. Because you're missing the entire point of having that gift. Christina is, is she, you guys see our, our, actually she didn't do that, but our, our announcements and stuff that she does, she is so talented graphically. And and last week she had another pastor reach out to her and say, hey, we need a new logo for our church. And, and so she started working on that. And she came to me and she said, you know what? I just don't feel like that I'm supposed to charge them because she does that on the side and she charges Well, she doesn't feel like she's supposed to charge them because that is a gift that was given to her by God and it was given to her to build up the kingdom. Identify your gifts, cultivate them and engage. Finally, ministry myth number three, and it's probably the most prevalent that we see in churches today. And it's that someone else will do it. But guys, there's a fatal flaw in that thinking. There's a fatal flaw in buying into that myth. And that is that there's only one you. In all three of the passages that I've talked about, Paul goes on to talk about the church as being the body of Christ. And he talks about how, just like in a body, we all have a specific job to do. In Ephesians, he writes, from him or from Christ, the whole body joined together and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, get this, as each part does its work. 1 Corinthians says, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Guys, if God has brought you to Trinity Fellowship, it's because he wants you here for a specific purpose. It's because he has a specific job for you to do. And the problem with expecting somebody else to do the job that you're supposed to do is there's nobody that can do it. You may be the only nose in our body. And if you don't do the job of the nose, then who's going to do it? Last time I checked, I can't smell with my elbows or even my mouth. Only you can do that job. And if you don't do it, then who will? I'll tell you who will. No one. The chances are, if you decide not to use the gifts God has given you to build the body, if you don't use your gifts in the church, nobody else is going to do your job. Or if they do, it won't be done as well as it could be. It'll be like trying to write with your feet. You ever try to do that? I haven't, but I've seen people. It's not very pretty. They would get a a, a needs improvement in pensmanship. Or it would be like trying to walk on your hands. Now, there's some people who can do that. Those those CrossFit people can do it for like 40 yards. But eventually, you're going to fall down. Eventually, it's not going to work. We all have a job to do. Because you see, church, we were made to serve. We were saved to serve and we were gifted to serve. Amen. And if we don't do our part, if each and every one of us doesn't do what we're supposed to do, then the body just doesn't work right. And when the body doesn't work right, God's work doesn't get done. You know, earlier this week, I was, I was reading an article in Forbes about Tuesday morning stores. Has anyone ever been to a Tuesday morning store? I haven't. Apparently, we have two of them in Northwest Arkansas. Who knew? But it's talking about how they're not doing very well right now. And and their outlook is very grim. And and there's a section in that article that said corporate strategy is poor. And I want to read that to you. It says, there seems to be a fundamental disconnect between the company's expressed strategy and the condition of its stores. Tuesday morning stores describe its customers as predominantly women from middle to upper income households. One would expect that a store pursuing middle-to-upper-income shoppers would try to create an appealing upscale experience. But that does not seem to be the case. Tuesday morning stores are disorganized, their merchandise is poorly displayed, packaging is tattered, and the stores are staffed by inexpert personnel. It says they look more like a Goodwill than a Pier 1. Now, I love Goodwill. I mean, I don't love what they're about because it's kind of a con. They don't really help anyone. But I love buying my clothes at Goodwill. 90% of my clothes come from Goodwill because that's where I can afford. And you can get nice clothes there. But let me ask you a question. Would you rather have our church look like a Goodwill or a Pier 1? You see, because when, when we don't do our jobs in the church, I think you could say about us that there seems to be a fundamental disconnect between our express strategy and the condition of our church. And I hope that nobody could ever say about us That our churches are disorganized, our merchandise is poorly displayed, our packaging is tattered, and we are staffed by an expert personnel. Think about it, guys. What do people see when they come here? We're supposed to build the body. And if they come in and and see a sign that has no H on it, they're like, I don't want to go back to Trinity Fellows IP." We all have a job to do. At Trinity Fellowship, the staff and the leaders have a job to do, and that's to equip you. To equip believers to discover and use their God-given gifts. But see, the believers have a job too. You have a job. And that's to discover and use your God-given gifts. You know, I really wanted to do some teaching today on specific spiritual gifts and, and how they, how they show up in our lives, but that's not the way that the Lord led me. But we have a class that's going to start in May and it's called discover Trinity NWA. And in that class, it's a few weeks long. You actually, you get to find out more about our church, more about our background and who we are and who the staff is and what, what we have to offer, believe it or not, in case you're shopping. You find out more about our church, but in addition to that, we do some teaching in that class on spiritual gifts, and we even have a test that helps you identify your gifts. If you've never been to that class, I want to encourage you sign or you don't have to sign up, but go starting in May. Go to that class at nine a.m. every Sunday morning. You know, I encourage you to get a hold of Pastor Angie and tell her I want to get involved. Pastor Angie has come on full-time recently, and one of her roles is as our volunteer coordinator. She, she recruits people and trains them and makes sure to, to put them in the right roles. Get with her and say, you know what? I need to go to work. And she'll find a place for you. She'll help you get equipped. But I want to finish today with an illustration. Now, earlier, we had the opportunity to watch our human video team perform the human video that they took to fine arts. And I remember the night that they performed that human video at competition. We went back to the hotel to get some rest. And I laid there awake that night thinking about this sermon. And the Holy Spirit just began to to just give me line after line after line. That's how how he does with me a lot of the time. He showed me one thing after the other after the other. And I just laid there thinking about this. And I realized that a human video team is a whole lot like a church. It's got all of these different people. They all have their own strengths and their own weaknesses, and they're all working together towards a common goal. But if you take one person out of that group, it damages the work that everyone's trying to do together. You know, imagine if we saw that scene with, I'm going to explain some of them now, with David and Goliath without Justin. Or what about that scene where Peter gets crucified upside down, but without Tristan? It just doesn't feel the same. Or what about the the whole demon puppet master scene? That's one of my favorites. But just take out one of the demons. Poor Ellie has imaginary demons. Now, obviously, I took some of the key people out of those scenes. So obviously, they're going to fail, right? But what if I just took some of the supporting roles out? What about the people in a church who work behind the scenes to make sure that everything gets done and everything gets pulled off without a hitch? Amen. What about the David and Goliath scene, but without Josiah. I don't think the story would have been impressive with a three foot David or Goliath, excuse me. Or what about that scene where, where Peter gets crucified upside down? But what if we did that and we took away Gabrielle? I'm telling you, it's just not the same effect. Thank you guys. I appreciate your help. That's right. Guys, the human video team is a lot like a church. Everyone has a job to do. In the church, everyone has a job to do. And if you don't do your job, or if you just decide to show up and not perform that day, then it ends up being a mess. we're here, the staff and the leadership are here to equip you. But you have a job too. You have to be willing to be equipped. And then when you're equipped you have to be willing to discover and use your gifts to build up the kingdom. Today in closing there's going to be three different calls that I'm going to make. And I want to kind of illustrate this just very briefly. And lately, uh, we purchased a weight bench at my house. And and Justin and I have, have started working out together. And that's really cool, except for I'm so sore. Like right now, I'm just burning up here. But we were doing this exercise, um, a, a, a tricep pull, basically, where, where we held this rope and kind of did this number to strengthen our triceps. And when we were doing that, I... I got to a point where my triceps weren't strong enough to lift the weight that I was asking them to lift. So what started happening is the muscles in my chest and my shoulders started taking over and trying to do that job. But what happened is after a few repetitions of that, those muscles started to strain themselves because they weren't created for that motion. And they weren't strong enough to take on the load of what they were supposed to do and what the triceps were supposed to do. And guys, we see that in the body of Christ all the time. There's a specific job that you're supposed to do. But sometimes if you don't do it, somebody else will step in and they will take on more than they're supposed to. And they'll try to do it. But then what happens is they will get strained and they will get worn out. They'll get burnt out. Today, I'd like everyone to just go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes. You know what? Maybe you're here today and you say, man, I need to go to work. Maybe you're one of those that feels like you don't even have any gifts. Guys, I'm telling you, that's a lie of the devil. Don't believe that. Or maybe you just feel like you're too busy to do what he's called you to do. And I ask you, what greater call is there than what he has for you? Today, I don't, I'm not here to embarrass anyone. I'm not going to call you forward for this, but I just want to pray for you. Today, if you're here and, and if you know your gifts, but you haven't been using them for God, or if you just don't know what your gifts are and you need help discovering them, I want to invite you and I want to give you the opportunity to surrender your gifts to God for his service. And if that's you with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, I just want you to lift up your hand because I just want to pray for you. and I just want to know who I'm praying for. Amen. There's hands all over the place. Who else? father god you see these hands that are lifted or you see these people who've who've realized this morning that they have a job to do and if they don't do it then nobody else will or can lord i pray that you will first of all let them know that they were created by you for a purpose that you have gifted them uniquely and individually lord Lord, I pray that you will help them to discover their gifts, to identify them, God. Lord, I pray that they will follow through on this commitment to just surrender those gifts to you and to your service. To be used by you. Church, I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me when when I was preparing for this, that there are some people here today that are like those chest muscles I described. You've honestly been taken on too much. You've been taken on more than He designed for you just because you want things to be right. But you're here today and you're feeling strained, you're feeling stressed, and you're feeling burnout. And maybe this didn't even happen here, Trinity Fellowship. Maybe it happened where you came from, but you're still feeling the results of it. Guys, I just want the opportunity to pray with you. I'm going to ask our prayer team if they would come right now. Guys, if that's you, if you're just feeling stressed and strained and burnt out because you've taken on more than you were supposed to, I just want to invite you to come right now and just feel refreshed and just let God minister to your lives. And I want to ask you to come and, and stand on this side of the sanctuary because I want to pray with you in just a moment. Who is that? Don't be ashamed to admit that you need that refreshing. there's one final group that I want to pray with. You know, what I said earlier that when we talk about ministry, we're not talking about someone standing up here in a pulpit and delivering a sermon and coming down and praying with everyone. Well, the truth is that there is a part of ministry that is just that. See, some of you are called to be apostles or prophets or evangelists or pastors or teachers. And Some of you have never answered that call. Today I want to tell you that there is no higher calling that you can fulfill. There's nothing you can do in this life that would be any better for you than fulfilling God's calling. If you're here, I don't care if you're 14 or 40. If God has placed a call on your life to be a pastor or an evangelist, a missionary, I want to invite you to answer that call today. And I want you to invite you to come right down here to this section. And I just want to pray for you. I just want to pray God's grace over your life, and God's blessing over. Church, I want to invite you to come and pray with these that are here. And I'm going to pray with them as well. And and everyone else, I, I pray that you'll just continue to seek God for your gifts. Ask him to use you as Neil leads us in worship.